Welcome to the Grace Church Podcast. Wherever you find yourself today, you belong here. And we hope that this word uplifts and inspires you in your daily life. Here's this week's message. Come on, we can give a round of applause just for all the people that are part of that production of sending out announcements to you guys, keeping you guys informed. We have an amazing team behind the scenes. Can we just give one more shout out to all of them? Am I on? Am I on? Can you hear me? Okay, great. Well, hey, my name is... Pastor Omar, I'm so glad to see you guys, see your eyes this morning, those of you that are here. Uh, it's a good-looking crowd. It's, I'm just excited for today. Hey, uh, last week, we did something fun. We gave out uh, some birth announcements, uh, and that was just fun to just see uh, the, just the life in our, in our church. And so I know there's probably been some, uh, some babies being born during COVID time, and we may not know. Will you send us that information? Because we'd love to celebrate that moment with you as a church family. And so, uh, so I, just, I love doing that. So if you just do us a favor, let us know, and we promise that we will we will, we will celebrate together. We will join you in that celebration of that new addition to your family. We're just so excited for what God is doing in our church and, uh, and also just, just what he's doing in your life. You're like You should share the good news of what's happening in your life. Uh, I think that's important for a church community to always share about the goodness of God in our lives. Amen. Well, hey, we are in week two of our new series called Kingdom Come. But before we start... Let's get our hearts prepared. I mean, God's been already stirring, I know, but let's continue to have that posture of allowing God to continue to work in our hearts. Can we do that, church? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to join together. God, we don't take these moments for granted, God. They are sacred. They are holy. They are anointed, God. And so we're asking you, Holy Spirit, to continue to have your way in every heart. God, you said that when your word goes forward, God, it does not return back void. And God, I pray that as we share your word, read your word, and receive your word, God, that that it does the good work that it's intended to do in every heart, whether they're listening online or they're here in person. Lord, have your way, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, we're talking about the kingdom of God. And I said last week that this word kingdom is something that we're not quite used to here in our culture and here in America. But, But as Christians... As believers, we have this understanding that God is king of all, that, that he does rule our hearts. Those of us who know that moment where we surrendered our lives to the Lord, that he was our savior, but he's also Lord of our lives, and we surrendered it all, and we said, Lord, have your way. Lord, be my savior. Be the Lord of my life. That was a big moment for us. And so we can understand that we don't live for ourselves, but we live under the kingship and the, and, and, and the authority of God, God Almighty. We understand that to, to a certain degree. But as we're talking about the kingdom, it's like, how does that work now? Like, though I surrender my life, what does it mean for God's kingdom to come? What does that really mean to the world? What does that really mean to my neighbors, to my friends, in my everyday, ordinary life? What does it mean to pray his kingdom come on earth as it is? heaven. And that's what we're going to unpack through this series. We're going to talk about what does that mean for his kingdom to come, because because if he is the king of all, and as we understand him as the king of glory, and we know that he is the creator of all things, and we can understand that, then shouldn't that mean that God's kingdom is everywhere? And the answer to that question is yes, a big yes, and then kind of a maybe no. Here's the fact that we do believe that Jesus is the king of all, that he does rule over all things. 
you know, the Apostle Paul, he, he beautifully articulated this to the letter of Colossians when he said this. He says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, you can take a note of this. He says, for in him, meaning Christ Jesus, he says all things were created. All things, everything that we see, things that we don't see. He says things that in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, and you can put in there kingdoms. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and I love this part, and in him all things hold together, meaning that God has the ultimate authority, that Christ Jesus our Lord, who sits on the throne today, he holds all things together. He has full authority of what happens in all of creation, in all of the universe, not just here in our own world, in our own country, in our own city, but everywhere. That is the authority of Christ. That is what, where he stands today. We understand that. So if Jesus reigns supreme, then where do we get this idea that, that his kingdom needs to come? Here. And where is here? Where is that place? Where, where is a place that maybe he's not ruling over, that's not fully surrendered to him? Well, to answer that question, we've got to go back to the very beginning, to where it all started, to creation. You know the story of creation. What is the story of creation? Well, we see that when God created mankind, when he created us, the Bible says the apple of his eye, the, the desire of his heart, he created us, mankind. And this is that when he created us, he created us in his own image. His own image. And part of the image that God created us in, it was to be a ruler. And his original intent was for us to rule with him. And he's given us something in that. So turn, you can take a note of this. It's Genesis chapter 1. I want you to see this because this is scripture. This is word, the word of God. And it says this in Genesis chapter 1, the very beginning, first chapter, verse, book of the Bible. It says this, it says, So when God created mankind in his own image, in the image of, of God he created them, male and female he created them. Listen to this, verse 28, he says, But God blessed them and said to them to be fruitful, okay, to increase in numbers. And then he says, And fill the earth and subdue it. Uh, Original language here in the Hebrew, subdue, means to rule over, to have dominion over, to have responsibility for, and to care for his creation. That God created this world, and in his mind, he said he's going to create us in his image to rule with him. And that our jobs as human beings, our jobs on this earth was to help rule with him. This creation. That we would have responsibility and he goes on to say that you need to subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every living creature moving on the ground. He goes on and tells us that it is our responsibility to take care, to be good stewards of this beautiful earth, this beautiful world that he created for his pleasure and for ours. That was God's original intent. And God also continues to give us more authority here because what he also does is he gives us free will and he gives us this, this, this power, this authority to rule over our own hearts. And in God's sovereignty, he did this so that his creation, his people, his humans, that they would be motivated to submitting under his authority, his will, out of love and trust for the Creator. That's his heart. That's how it all started. That was his original intent. But friends, we all know what happens in this story. We've all felt the effects of what happened in this story that, that, that something dramatically changed in the heart of a human, in the heart of people, right? We know that the enemy came and he tempted Adam and Eve at the garden, right? To question, he, sowed a, he wanted to sow a seed of doubt 
to mankind to doubt God's perfect and good will to them. And that's when sin, no longer under the, under the obedience and the authority of God, but sin is when we walk away and be disobedient towards the things of God, not believing God's best for our lives. Sin was then planted into the heart of man. And we see the outcome, the horrible outcomes that come through that, the separation from man and God, from the creations and the creator. And it was in that time that the authority that to, to rule the earth alongside God's righteousness was then forfeited. From the point forward in the human race, and we see this throughout history, our own history, is that mankind will always strive to rule over creation, always fight for power, and always will try to dominate for selfish gain. That's what I see. And that's the tragedy of it all. But I'm so thankful that the Lord stepped in. Amen? I'm so thankful that He didn't leave mankind twisted and distorted, but He wanted to redeem and make us whole, to bring us back. And we see that in that moment of the biggest mess-up that this world has ever seen, God started His plan of action for redemption for all mankind. So His kingdom was promised to us. And friends, this is it. Ultimately, the completion of his redemption happened through the life and the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus. The king of the kingdom of God. The king of heaven. That's why when Jesus showed up on the scene and, and he proclaimed his message, he proclaimed this, he says that the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is now. Because his presence on earth was the fulfillment of God's promise that he would restore and redeem creation back to himself. And that's his original plan from the very beginning. The Bible tells us that there will be a day when he does come back in his return, and in that time there will be the fullness of this whole redemptive plan, that there would be a new heaven and a new earth, and that we, as saints of God, that we would be lifted up with him, and that we'd be able to continue to rule and to reign in his original intent for us. Now, that's our theology. I gave you the beginning, and I've given you the end, but the problem is that we live in the in-between. And that's why I can say that God's kingdom will come, but it's not yet. And that's where it kind of gets a little fuzzy for us sometimes to understand, how does that work in my life? But Jesus came and he said that the kingdom is here and it's at hand. It draws near. And so now we get to enter into this reality of God's kingdom rule and how does it expand on earth and how does everything continue to come under his lordship. Now, Scripture tells us this was Jesus' main plan. This is his main theme in his teachings and, and what he taught and what he showed to the world in his ministry here. So it was the theme of his message. You know that Jesus, that was everything he talked about always pointed back to God's kingdom. There's over 50 parables that, that he described the kingdom of God. And so today, this morning, we're going to look at some of the parables that he shared and we're going to try to gain and glean some insights about how this kingdom works. What does this kingdom mean? How does it work and operate in our lives? And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. I love this chapter. I've been diving into this chapter all week, just really trying to squeeze out things that, that I've not seen before because I've read these parables before. I think God's got something fresh and new for us. Do you believe that? Because you're ready, you're open, you're, you're wanting to receive. And so I believe God's going to use his word to give you fresh revelation of his kingdom. At least that's been my prayer. God's good. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 26, he says, he also, he said this, he said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Listen, 
A man scatters seeds on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. It sprouts and it grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk and then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain ripes, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. Okay? Then he goes on and says again, he said, What shall we say that the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and it becomes the largest of garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand, and he did not say anything to them without using a parable. When he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. I'm sure you guys all figured everything out about the kingdom in those parables, right? (laughs) If you are left a little more confused than you were when you came in here, you're not alone. Right? I just love that scripture shows us that Jesus would share these stories, these parables. And what a parable is, is just a story, a common story, using common things, but it gives a spiritual truth and a spiritual lesson. And so, and so Jesus would do this, and, and I just love that it says that, that, that he would share these things, but then the disciples, after he would share, they would pull him in, and they say, Jesus, I don't get any of that. <laughs> what are you talking about? That doesn't make any, what, what's going on? Explain it to us. You see that on in scripture that there would be moments like that so we're not alone we got to dig a little deeper and that was the whole purpose of a parable is that is to kind of dig a little deeper what is the meaning behind this and what we have to understand is that this original audience these disciples when they heard when they heard this phrase the kingdom of god when their minds they were thinking okay the kingdom of god when the kingdom of god is here it means that god is going to bring his king his messiah the promised one, and he would come and he would establish this glorious kingdom and he would free us from the oppression of whoever, whatever nation, whatever ruler was ruling over us that was not God's will and and he would overthrow it. And so they had this, this thought in their minds. And so you could imagine when Jesus would, would start to speak and start teaching about the kingdom of God, that their ears perked up. You can imagine that they leaned in. They said, yes, here we go. We're ready. We're all about this kingdom. We're ready to overthrow uh, 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 the gates of the palace, and we're ready to take over and, 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 and kick out Rome. I mean, they were, they were fired up when they heard this term coming out of Jesus' mouth. They're like, this is, I'm ready. I'm ready for Jesus. I'm ready for this thing to happen. Come on, Jesus, let's go. So they lean in, and Jesus says, okay, the kingdom of God. And they're just like, yes, probably taking notes. And Jesus gives them this story about a farmer, about seeds, not about swords, not about military strategy. Can you imagine the letdown? Can you imagine the disappointment of these guys afterwards going like, what, we don't even understand what he means here. What does this all mean? What I love about our Savior Jesus is that he was so patient with them. He was so patient with them that he took time to, to, to pull them back and, and, and sit, sit, sit down with them and help them and shift their idea and their perspective of his kingdom and its purpose. I think God needs to still do that for us today. I think it's so true for every one of us sometimes. We have our own opinions on what God should do, how it should play out. I love that God was patient. See, God's kingdom will not be ushered in by human force or man-made legislation. God's kingdom will be ushered in through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And that's what will transform people's lives from the inside out, not the outside in. And sometimes we think of God's kingdom as that it's going it's to, we're ready for it to change everything else, but really it's trying to change us. 
right? And so that's what I think this parable is going to talk to us about. So I broke down this par- these parables in, in a couple of sections here. One is the spreading of the seed, and we're going to talk about what the seed is. The growth of the seed and the harvest of the seed. Because this is the thing, is that these are some key insights in Scripture of the, the kingdom of God and how it increases on earth. How do we have God's kingdom increase on earth? How does the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? He says this, because he's talking about spreading of the seed, referring to the spreading of the kingdom of God. He says that the kingdom of God is like a man who scattered seed on the ground. Now, before we go any further in this parable, we have to identify the elements that are happening in the story. I'm thankful that Jesus, he always gives us a clue. If you read earlier in this chapter, you see that he tells us what the seed is. And he says that the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word, because he goes into all these other parables talking about seed and planting, but the seed is the word of God, verse 14. But you have to understand that in the context of this scripture, the word of God is not just the law of God, but it is the gospel of God. And we know what the gospel is, right? Some of us who know the meaning behind the word gospel, we know that the gospel is good news. So the good news of God. Because we know that the law, the prophets, all the Old Testament, it all pointed to the great news that the king was coming, right? And who's the king? Jesus. And it was in his life and his death and his resurrection. And he says that the good news of gospel, that is a seed that is planted. Now, before then, he talks about this parable about the seed being scattered, and there's a parable called the seed of the sower, where he, this guy just throws seed, and it lands on all different grounds, hard ground, rocky ground, thorny ground, and then good fertile soil. And the good fertile soil, it produced a crop that was 30, 60, or 100 times more than what was sown. So Jesus is giving us principles here that we need to lay over as we continue to read these parables about what the seed is, what the kingdom does, and how it multiplies and how it grows. So the seed of the gospel. Number one is the kingdom of God is planted through the seed of the gospel. The gospel. Now sometimes when we say things like this, we, 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 sometimes in church, you know, we, we'll say these words and we don't take time to really define them and really explain them all. And, and, and I think that sometimes that does a disservice to people that are learning and growing in their faith. Learning about Jesus. And, and we have coded language, or we call Christianese. And so I just think it's just to bring clarity to this. What does it mean by the gospel? How is that good news? How is the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus good news for me, good news for you, good news for the world? Because that's what God declared. He said it's good news. Who believes that's good news? Right? So what is that? Well, let's break down the gospel. What is it the gospel? What is the life of Jesus? The life of Jesus was that he lived this perfect life, submitted to the will of God. And he fulfilled every righteous standard under the law. And when he died on the cross, it quenched the wrath of God for our sins. See, God did not overlook sin. We need to remember that. God did not overlook sin because he's a God of justice. And justice, it demanded a price. But the gospel says that Jesus was perfect and he was able to step in and be that perfect sacrifice to redeem us. Right? This is that in his resurrection, it showed victory over sin and death. That's the gospel, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And it was all done on the behalf of sinners. Sinners. You know any sinners? <laughs> it's good news for sinners. If you don't think the gospel is good news, then you, you must not consider yourself a sinner. Because the gospel is good news for sinners in need of redemption. And this gift of salvation is free for all those who believe. Romans 8, uh, let me just drop this bomb. Romans 3, 23 says that 
We're all sinners. <laughs> and we all fall short of God's glory. So this is great news. And the good news is that while I'm still powerless over the things of this world, the realities that we know, namely sin and death, that Jesus came and he defeated both when he rose from the grave. Demonstrating his rightful place, his rightful dominion, his rightful place over Satan, come on, sin, death, and he ushered in his, 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 his kingdom. He is the king of the kingdom. So for us to understand the kingdom, we have to go back to who the king is of that kingdom. And to understand the kingdom, we have to understand who the king is and we've got to understand what he did. And so for me to understand and to grow in the kingdom, I have to go back to what Jesus did through the gospel. And it's through that knowledge and understanding that I start learning more about his kingdom. But it all starts with the seed. You know, Jesus uses this illustration not to minimize the gospel, but to show us and explain the nature of how the kingdom expands on earth through the spreading of this gospel, which starts out small, doesn't it? Starts out with like a seed, and the gospel is meant to be planted, right? That's what it's saying. It's meant to be planted in someone's heart, but once it establishes in someone's heart, it starts to grow and starts to build a root system so that they have a foundation to stand on. That's what the gospel does for a person. Amen. So the first question, like I said, is, is do you know any sinners and they need to hear this good news? Do you know anybody? Don't look around the room. I'm just going to be real with you. You know, I, I know there's somebody who needs to hear this and I, and, I, and I see him in the mirror every day. I see him in the mirror every day. Somebody needs to be reminded of this truth every day. Because I'll be honest with you, I, I fall short sometimes, often, in how my thought life, things I say, things I do. I mean, Paul talked about, he says, there's times with the, with the things that I do, I don't, I, I don't want to do, and, and the things I want to do, like, I just, I have it all messed up, I have it all flipped out. Who can save me from this? Christ Jesus, he reminded himself. This is the Apostle Paul, the guy who did some stuff. Run laps around a lot of ministry leaders, but yet he still said, he said, there's times where i got to remind myself of the gospel. Because when I look at the gospel, it reminds me how loved I am. When I look at the gospel, it tells me, it, it shows me that, that I, am, I have a new identity in him. When I look at the gospel, it shows me that God is faithful to his plan because of what he did for redemption, that he never gave up on the human race. And when I look at the gospel, every day I need to remind myself of his promises. Every day I need to remind myself of his faithfulness. I think so many Christians want to move past this thing. They want to grow from it. But I'm telling you, it's the thing that we can grow deeper in as we allow the gospel to continue to be planted and watered and grow in our own lives. Oh, people, we are, friends, we are people of the gospel. It needs to constantly be something that we're thinking, that meditating on. That's why Jesus said when you do communion, you need to remind yourself of my body that was broken for you, my blood that was shed for you. He says do this often when you come together. Why? Because we need to be reminded of this beautiful gospel. And, and though it's simple, I'm telling you, there's so much depth in the gospel. And we need to continue to grow in the gospel. So we begin by planting the gospel in ourselves first. Plant the gospel in your heart. Often when we think of God's kingdom coming, we think of it in these big ways that will change the world from the outside. But then we have to remember that first, we have to be willing to allow the gospel to change us from the inside. Allow it to transform us. Get back into the place of God. Jesus, just like, that's why worship is so important because we think of the gospel. That's why all these songs are all gospel-centered because it's all about what he has done for us, not what we can do on our own. 
It's all glorifying him, giving him the praise, saying, God, I'm nothing without you. And that's what just grows that gospel deeper and deeper in your heart. It builds some roots. How does this live out in our lives? It's got to grow through our relationships. In our relationships. See, when we live this out, when it's deep in our hearts, when it's growing roots in us and, and it's developing us, it's going to come out of our lives. In our relationships. You know, friends, when you forgive somebody, you're showing, you're planting the gospel in other people's hearts because you're showing that Christ Jesus has forgiven you and now you're learning to forgive others. You're planting the gospel in those people, in those relationships. How about in your marriage? I could speak to husbands in the room. Husbands, when you love your wife as Christ loves the church, he gave himself for the church and serves the church. When you do that, do you know that you're planting the gospel? Not only in the heart of your wife, but in the heart of your children. When they start, when other people close to your family, when they see that they, you're, you're you're proclaiming the gospel, when it's in you, it's just going to come. It's going to be how you live, and it's going to do something to the people around. It's going to draw their attention. How about in your finances? You know that when you choose to be wise with your finances, when you start to give generously with no strings attached, you know that you're planting the gospel in the people that you're being generous towards, because you're showing them a God in heaven who didn't didn't withhold anything from you, not even his son. And that he's a generous God and you're planting the seed of the gospel. Students, and students in the room, do you know that when you love and honor and serve your parents, you're planting the gospel in your friends and your family because you're showing them that Christ Jesus was obedient to his heavenly father and to his earthly parents. And when you live this way, when you allow the gospel to just be in your life and come through your life, you, you start to plant that seed into other people. They start to see you. Christians, when we take care and, we're care and we care for refugees and the marginalized, what are we doing? We're planting the gospel, showing people what God is like, how God looks for those that are marginalized and the outsiders and the gospel reaches to them. Christians, when you foster and adopt children at a high cost to you, oh, you're painting a beautiful picture and you're planting the gospel because we know that God, at a high cost to him, brought us into his family and adopted us into his own. I mean, I can go on and on and give you many examples of how the gospel and, and the kingdom is lived out through our lives. But when the gospel is planted in our lives, the gospel begins to sprout from our lives. And it becomes a declaration to a broken world that there is a new way, that there is a new kingdom at hand. And there is a new king and his name is Jesus. So the kingdom is planted through the seed of the gospel. Then what happens there? When we're doing our part, we're, we're planting the seed, and then it grows. What does it say? He says, the man scatters it. Go back to verse 26. And he says, day and night, whether he sleeps or not, he gets up, he sprouts. It sprouts and it grows, but he does not know how. We need to pay close attention to what Jesus is saying here. What is he saying? He's saying that this man didn't contribute to anything of the growth. <laughs> the Bible says that he doesn't even understand how it happens. See, the power of the growth is already inside of the seed, right? He says that there's an order to it, that it goes from sprouting from the seed to growing into a stalk and, and, and so on. There's a process that's already built into the seed. The power of growth is already built into the seed. So what is Jesus teaching us about his kingdom? He's saying the power of the gospel is not man-made. The power of the gospel is not man-generated. The power of the gospel is not based on personalities. The power of the gospel is not based on our production value. The power of the gospel is not based on programs. No, the power of the gospel is all in the life and the death of Jesus Christ, right? Always is and always will be. 
There's nothing we can do to power the gospel. No, the power of the gospel is in Christ Jesus and what he has done, not what we can do, right? But you might go, hold up, pastor. Does this mean we have no part in this? No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what he's saying. No, our part is the plant. Our part is to water. But guess what, friends? God does the increase. That's what scripture says. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, I planted Apollos water, but God made it grow. See, God is faithful to grow the seed of the gospel. The power of the gospel is in Jesus Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. When we declare the gospel, friends, with our words and display the gospel through our lives, we are planting and we're watering seeds, but it's God who expands his kingdom through that, who grows it through that. And when we submit our lives under the, under the authority of God and his lordship, his kingdom will grow first in us because of Jesus, who Jesus is in us and to us in spite of us. That's it. I want to tell you, there's been so many times this past year where I just felt so weak and, 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 and I felt so powerless in my own self. Things that I tried to muster up, things that I tried to change, things that I tried to work through, things that I was just so frustrated. I said, God, I want your kingdom to break forth. I want this to break through to happen. And I've been pushing myself and trying to do all the right things and trying to, trying to pray the right words and trying to do all these things. And I'm realizing that's not where the power of the gospel lies. It's in Christ and him alone. He does the growth. He does the change. He does the transformation. And until we learn that, <laughs> we'll never see the fullness of what it can be and what it means to our lives. See, the gospel does not depend on how much you have it all together because in the midst of pain and suffering and disappointment, the Bible tells us that the kingdom is still ripening, it's still growing, it's still moving, it's still expanding, and it's a mystery to us, isn't it? How many times? I mean, you saw Nate up here talking about how hard things were, but in the midst of it, we saw the gospel, we saw the kingdom growing in his heart. It's a mystery, but it happens. So I don't know how, but we all know one thing, and one thing is true through Scripture, is that be confident in this, this the Bible writer writes in Philippians 1.6, that he who began a good work will carry it out into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 6 says, don't be misled. Don't make, nobody makes a fool of God for what a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness ignores the needs of others, ignoring God. Harvest is a crop of weeds. We don't want weeds. No weeds, right? All he'll show for his life is weeds. But listen to this. But the one who plants in response to God, and I'm just going to add in his kingdom, letting God's spirit do the growth of work in him, harvest a crop of real life, eternal life. So, that, so, so let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop. If we do not quit, we do not give up. Right now, therefore, every time we get a chance, let us do good for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. So the kingdom is planted by the seed of the gospel. And we plant and we water, but God does the increase. And the last point is this, is that there is always going to be a harvest. And let me tell you, this is why I should get us more excited. Because if you ever know the law of this, it's not just addition, it's multiplication, right? What one seed can produce, it's multiplication. That's why it's great news. See, in God's kingdom, you will always get more than what you put in, no matter how small the work begins. This is our stumbling block, friends. 
I really want to close with giving you this picture. So Jesus talks about this mustard seed, right? He says the kingdom of God. Let me tell you what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a mustard seed. Now what you have to understand is the mustard seed, at this known, in this time, it was the smallest thing possible for them to see, right? If you looked at a mustard seed, it looks like a grain of sand. So it was almost like a figure of speech. And Jesus is saying the, small, the smallest thing, what you think is small, what you think is insignificant, what you think is, is not important in your life, this simple thing, this little thing that you can do in your life, he says, it's a big thing to me when it's planted, when it's for my kingdom, when it's for my will, when you surrender it to me, look what I can do. When you plant it in me, and you cultivate it, and you water it, and I'll do the increase, he says that it will grow beyond what you could imagine. He says that in the scripture. That's the kingdom rule. That's, that's how the kingdom of God works. And Jesus wants to understand that something that might seem smaller and insignificant in the world can be important to him for the expansion of his kingdom on earth. Prior to the problems, we just get caught up in all the big stuff that we feel overwhelmed by. And we seem to fail and neglect the things that might seem small and simple, like spending time with God daily, getting in the scripture, doing these simple things, simple acts of just allowing God's kingdom to continue to grow in you. And when we do that, we see God be faithful to growing and increasing and going beyond what we could ever imagine, what we can do. We stop focusing on the seed and we start, see, when I was talking about change and doing something big and getting frustrated, it was when I was trying to change somebody else. Instead of turning around and saying, God, don't want you, you work through me and change me and work through me. And it's through that that it becomes an overflow. And I continue to plant. He says, just plant. Just sow. Just water. Yeah, I want to close with this, you know. Um, just a quick little example as we wrap up here. Of just something that I've seen and just play out in my family. And it's taking years, so some of this is going to take years. But we have this tradition in our home that Misty started from really, like, when our kids were born. It was, uh, parents know this, is it, sometimes it's the dreaded time, but it's also could be the most glorious time, most fruitful time, most, most blessed time. just depends on what day it is but it's the good old nighttime routine, right? <laughs> so here to like, yeah. The one thing I've, like, I've learned from my wife is that this nighttime routine mattered so much to my kids. And part of that nighttime routine, you know, there would, there would be el- different elements, you know, where, um, you know, she, she'd spend some time just unpacking some things and, and, you know, I had to learn from her. It wasn't natural for me to do this because I'm just a get-her-done kind of guy. <laughs> Go to bed. <laughs> They always tell me, they're like, Dad, you can't just command us to go to bed. I'm like, so they like to wind down, and she'll, she'll talk to them a little bit, and then, then she's always sharing a story, and, you know, often it'd be like kids' Bible, kids' story, not all the time, just stories, something to kind of get their minds set on something, kind of calm them down. And, but, you know, whether it was a Bible story or a different story, we always prayed for them at the end of the night. Like, that was always the, the, the closer, Right? Her eyes are half asleep, but we're like praying over them. And I saw her just continue doing that, you know, and I just thought, wow, that, when I was thinking of this week, I was like, man, that's like planting that seed. That's like watering that seed of the kingdom, right? Getting our kids to just settle down in God's word, listen to God's word, pray every day. Before they, before they go to sleep, they're just, they're praying Thanksgiving. They're praying for the next day. I mean, we just instilled that in them, instilled that in them. And, and we've done that with all of our kids. And those of you who know our kids' age, I mean, they're growing up. I mean, my son just got engaged last weekend. 
Shout out to Trey and Audrey. But, you know, they get to a point where they kind of grow out of this ragtime routine the same way, you know? But what blesses the father's heart is now I kind of see my daughter. She's in high school now, and she kind of outgrew the story time, you know? But she hasn't outgrew the Bible time. She hasn't outgrew the, the prayer time. And, and when I see her on her own, grab her Bible and read her Bible, and she'll, she'll ask for prayer at times, you know, that just delights me. And I said, well, that's rooted in something that my wife started, we started a long time ago. And it's just the kingdom, right? It's how the kingdom works, being faithful, planting that seed, watering that seed, and allowing God to grow that thing in them. She's seeing the gospel played out in her life, taking value. And I love it because he says that, this, that, that, that when, it plant, when you plant the gospel, when the kingdom of God is planted, it grows and it becomes large so that birds can find a nest. And I'm praying in my heart for my kids and I'm saying, God, let, it be, let, them, let them find their home in the foundation upon what we built, what we planted in them. Let it grow so much in them that they, they rest. But didn't we say that God, that we built our life upon him? <laughs> I want my kids to build their life upon that. And I just thought, man, that's how it works. That's how the kingdom expands. That's how the kingdom grows. That's how his kingdom comes. Now, this can, you didn't relate to that. I think there's some other areas that the Holy Spirit will lead you to. Show you ways that if you're consistent in some of the small things and be faithful to them and consistently allow the Lord to kind of use that and you do that, whether it's a coworker, a relationship with a coworker, a family member, your spouse, but you start thinking things differently as you walk out of here and say, how can I continue to plant the seeds of the gospel in the lives of people around me? Continue to water it. Continue to be about that and allow God to do the increase and be ready for it and be faithful to it. Can we do that, friends? Can we do that, church? If we want to see God's kingdom come, it's more than just talk. It's about learning how to live it out. So if you're here and you're watching or you're watching, we're going to respond right now just quickly to this message, whatever God's spoken to you. You need to respond because this is a holy, sacred moment. And so, maybe for you, you just haven't ever really fully surrendered and said, Lord, I want to fall under your lordship because you are a good king. When I look at the gospel, how could I not trust that one who gave his all for me, who did the unimaginable thing, thing I could never, and nobody else loved me like you loved me that would take on all that you took on. Go back to the gospel and say, no, I could trust that God. I could trust that one. And just surrender your life to him. Trust me, he will guide you and show you life everlasting. Here and now, not just someday, one day when you die. And then for the rest of us, maybe in our hearts, we're saying, God, help me to be faithful. Help me to grow in this. Help me to not get... I think we just get so familiar with the story of the gospel that it doesn't have the power in us anymore that it needs to. And we need to repent of that. And we need to say, go to God and say, God, I'm so sorry. It is beautiful. It is righteous. It is awesome. So maybe for some of us, we start there. If you're here, can you stand to your feet? And can you just send, open your hands towards heaven and just say, Jesus, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the gospel. Come on, just say with your mouth from your heart right now, thank you for the gospel. For it is the power of God. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you, Lord. For loving me. Thank you for giving it all for me. Thank you 
for the life that I live now, that I don't live on my own, but I live under you and your authority and your kingship. Lord, show me the people, God, that I could start sowing seed into, God, showing them, Lord, what the gospel looks like, who you are in me, God. And as I do that, God, I'm planting seeds, and I pray for the seeds that I've already planted. Lord, you're already showing us pictures of friends and family, God, neighbors, coworkers, people at school, Lord. You're showing us pictures right now, God, and we're just saying, God, continue to allow me to just help water that seed, Lord God, because you're going to show them who you are and they're going to see there's a new way but the kingdom has come and the kingdom draws near lord i thank you for our friends and family here in this place god i pray that you protect them keep their minds on things above lord god keep their minds set on your agenda god not ours lord we pray that we move forward to expand your kingdom through our lives because you are worthy of it all we love you god in jesus name everybody said amen, amen. god bless you we love you give god the praise We love you so much. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.